We're in a series entitled Mark It Up. We're walking through the gospel of Mark, asking the Lord to teach us and speak to our hearts. This weekend, I want to speak on the subject, a heart check, a heart check. I bet everyone in here, you've been to the doctor and they've put the stethoscope on you and they've taken your pulse or blood pressure. Um, Perhaps you've even gone further with electrocardiogram or something. You've had some kind of uh, moment in which a doctor or a specialist has listened to your heart, just checking your pulse and so forth. We talk about a heart check. Do you know the Bible is God's stethoscope? That's right. You see, the, the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God, it, it examines the heart. And God's in the business of speaking to the heart, and God's in the business of examining the heart. The Bible talks about a pure heart. The Bible talks about a joyful heart. I pray you have a joyful heart. The Bible talks about a heart that seeks after God, a loving heart, a heart that obeys God, a heart that is teachable, a heart that sometimes even can be hardened. Pharaoh in the Old Testament, the Bible says he hardened his heart towards God, a devoted heart, a heart that searches for God. The heart expresses our desire for God. Now, in the Bible, when it refers to the heart, it's not talking about that muscle in your chest. That's not what it refers to. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's referring to our devotion, our motive, and our motivation. The motives come from heart. The Bible says the Scripture, it, it searches the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So the, the heart is our motive, our motivation, our desires, and our feelings. You see, what, what's really in the heart comes out in life. And God examines the heart. God, Bible says man looks to the outward appearance, but God looks to the heart. You take a child. You take a child that perhaps sit at the dinner table and accidentally knocks over the milk. Then it happens with every child. Or the child can take the glass of milk and defiantly throw it on the floor. Now, in both instances, in both instances, you've got spilled milk. And, and the old phrase, don't cry over spilled milk, doesn't apply to both of those situations. Are you with me? Somebody's going to cry. <laughs> if, if a child throws that milk on the floor, it'll probably be that child from discipline. There is that, you know, it's different between an accident and something that is just defiant in the heart. The Bible tells us God sees the heart. In fact, Proverbs chapter 4, 23, and kids, this is the memory verse on your color sheet. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows through it. Your decisions, your reactions, the mistakes you've made and the goals that you've achieved, the, the, six, the spiritual successes in life uh, achievements you have, they all come from the heart. So the Bible says to guard the heart. You see, whatever captures the heart can control the life. Whatever can capture your heart can control your life. We use the word amusement. We talk about amusement parks. The word amusement actually originally meant 
that something that would distract you and you would muse on it. It would take your focus off of this onto something else and it was an intentional distraction as you would ponder it and you would muse over it and that became the word amusement. Do you know that Satan is always trying to get us to get our attention off of God and his will? He wants you, he wants us to just be distracted by COVID. He wants you to be distracted by the worries. He wants you to be distracted by all the stuff that, that, that's feeding on the news all the time. He, he wants to get your attention off of your confidence in God and put your heart and your mind on something else. Now, for just a moment, let me unpack this further, particularly for our students and, uh, and our kids in the room. Uh, I think this will be help, helpful. I have four chairs that have sat on the platform, and these four chairs are going to represent a part of our life. I'll explain it. We are a physical being. This is our body. We're a physical being. Our physical being is our five senses. What we see, what we touch, we feel, taste, it's, it's all what we smell. This is the physical part of our life, the physical being. But not only are we physical and we recognize that, but there is a mental aspect, the mind, the intellectual part. It's our thinking. God gave us a body, but God also gave us a mind. That's right. God gave us a mind. And, and we think things. We read books. We go to college. We, we try to educate ourselves. We try to grow in this area. But not only are we an intellectual being, the ability to think, God also gave us emotions. We're emotional, physical, mental or intellectual, and emotional as well. There's an emotional part of our life. We feel things. I, I don't feel like doing that. It made me feel happy. It made me feel sad. I'm feeling depressed. I'm feeling lonely. I, I, I feel like no one cares. Those are feelings, emotions again. And God created emotions. Emotions are not wrong, but there's also a spiritual part. So there is a physical, there is a mental, intellectual, there's an emotional, and there is a spiritual part of our life. Isn't it interesting that Jesus said that we, Mark chapter 12, verse number 30, he said you're to love the Lord with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. There it is. God created it with all of that, and all parts of who we are should honor the Lord. Now, we're talking about, for a moment, a heart check. But let me, let me go further, physical. If some of us, we just sit in the physical chair, you know, it's all about how things look. Uh, if, if you're a young adult and you're looking for a spouse, and this is the only chair you sit in, you're probably going to make a mistake in life. If it's all about, you know, that boy, she's pretty. Look at that hair. Oh, isn't that nice? Look at that jaw. Look at that. Look at him. Look, 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 at his, look at his biceps. Look at his curly hair. Look, look at his skin tone. If it's all about the physical, nothing wrong with it, okay? We do a lot of things that God made us a physical body. But this is not the only chair to sit in, okay? And some of us, some of us, 
We're, we're very much analytical. This is probably a lot of us men. We sit primarily in this chair. We have to think things through. Are you that way with your wife? Your wife says, well, I don't know, honey, I have to think about that. Your boss says, well, I don't know, let me study that. And, and you're a thinker, you're a processor, you're analytical. Then this is the primary chair that you sit in. And it's, it's this person that, that often struggles with faith. It's like Thomas, I will not believe until I see with my eyes and I can touch the wound in his hand. This was Thomas. He was primarily an intellectual person. He was an examiner. He was a processor. Nothing wrong. God created us with a mind, but we can't let the mind control us, okay? The Bible tells us that sometimes we need to bring captivity, our thoughts, in subjection to God. Emotional. God made us with emotions. There's a reason God gave you emotions. God wants you to enjoy things. God wants you to feel things. God wants you to express things. God gives you, God gives you feelings in things. That, and this separates us from the animal kingdom. Do not buy into evolution. You know that the human species is the only one that weeps. That's right. That feels deep emotion. Animals can feel pain. But only humans weep in sorrow. God gave us emotion. And emotions are, 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 are to be a guiding influence at times in our life. But if we just sit in the emotional chair and say, you know what, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like going to church. I don't, I don't feel like being nice to that person. I don't feel like being friendly to them. I don't feel like I like I don't feel like that. And I don't want to, yeah, I'm not up to that. If we allow feelings to control us, then however the circumstances go, that's going to control our life. But the Bible says that we're spiritual. We're spiritual. And this ought to be a guiding factor in our life. God gave us all of these, but it's this chair that should be guiding these chairs. But Jesus is going to tell us that your, your lips say the right thing, but your heart is far from me. So we take the spiritual and we set it way over there and we only do things that we can see, that we think, or are our emotions that please us, that are our desires, our wants, our appetites, our preferences. And we, we jettison God way over there. And God says that is a formula for mistake. That is you to use your mind. That's the book of Proverbs, wisdom, prudence. But God says, I gave you emotions, and it's all right to have emotions and to express that emotion. God, God, God is the one that created love. You read the book of, of Songs of Solomon. There's a lot of emotion there. There's a lot of tenderness there. God says, it's good. But God says, the spirit world, your spiritual being comes together. And if you will sit and focus on the spiritual, the physical, the intellectual, the emotional, will all come into alignment. This one should talk to the others. But what happens to us frequently is our emotions talk to us and tell, I don't feel like that. I know the Bible says that, but you don't know what he did to me. You know what? I know the Bible teaches that, but I'm not sure I agree with that. You know, I read an article the other day on the Internet, 
And, and it seemed to make sense to me, made thinking, made sense to me. And you put the spiritual aside. And God says, no, these do not dictate to the spirit, but the spirit controls and is the highest priority in our life. That sets us up for the scripture that I want to read to you this evening and the teaching I want to share with you. So will you join me in Mark chapter 7, verse number 5 and following. You allow me, I'm going to make a few comments as we go through it, but I have a lot of material to share with you, so track with me, okay? Got a lot I'm going to pack in here in the next few minutes. So verse number 5. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the traditions of the elders instead of eating food with their defiled hands? Now, let me dive into this. We read over this. We say, I'm not sure really what that means. Let me help you. Why don't your disciples follow according to the traditions? If you want to use another word than tradition, the best word is opinions. Opinions. Why do your disciples not follow our opinion? Your disciples do something else. And he says that, that uh, they, they eat their food with defiled hands. And you're saying, oh, no, pastor, you're mean to tell me back in the days of Jesus they had to have hand sanitizer and they had to have all that we have on that. No, no, no it has nothing, to do, has nothing to do with germs. He's not talking about germs. What is he talking about? The Pharisees believed, the Pharisees were great at taking something and adding their opinions to it. They would, they would add their opinions. And they said, you know what? The Bible talks, Scripture in the Old Testament talks about washing your hands for germs' sake. For if you touch an open wound, if you touch a dead body, if you touch something that's defiled, you were to wash your hands. Good hygiene practices that are still in in place today but the pharisees said you know what you know it's good the, the 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 old testament says we need to wash your hands but you know if you'll wash it a certain way not only is your hands not free from germs you become more spiritual and their disciples their disciples were not doing it according to their plan the, they watched them perhaps wash their hands but they didn't do it in the same way the Pharisees did it in a ceremonial fashion. And what they're saying is, if you wash your hands, but if you don't do it just like us, when you take the food, it's not the germ you get into it, you become unspiritual. We're spiritual because we eat our fajitas a different way than the way you eat your fajitas. That was the accusation. What is it? This is equivalent today to somebody. Have you heard somebody say this? You know, my version of the Bible is more correct and spiritual than your version. I happen to preach out of the NIV. But from time to time, somebody will say, you know what? I believe, pastor, you should preach out of this version. Because this version is more spiritual than your version. And I say to myself, you're a Pharisee. Yes. I, I, had, a, I had a lady in the church one time. She came to me, Pastor, I'm upset. What is upset? She said, I saw a teenager in the altar praying. 
with black fingernail polish on. Okay? What's wrong with that? God cannot bless her with black fingernail polish. Oh, really? God has a color preference here? Yes. Black is it's of the devil, and she shouldn't, she shouldn't be wearing that. That's equivalent to what's seen here. That if you have a different color, you're more spiritual than if you had. It's, it's about music. We should have a certain kind of hymn or a certain kind of music in the church versus God. I could, I, these songs are more spiritual than these songs. I had a lady in the church one time tell me when we were in a building committee building our first auditorium. And she said, Pastor, I just want you to know right now, I could never worship God in a church that had green carpet. Green carpet, why? Because green carpet to her quenched the spirit. Now, can I tell you, these are just opinions. And that's exactly what Scripture says. Opinions, when we take our opinions to a higher level, and we say our opinions are what matter, God says we've got it wrong. Because why? God always checks the heart. God always checks the heart. Let's go on. Verse number 6. Jesus, verse number 6, he, he, he responds to that. He, he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about, your, about you hypocrites. It is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are, are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are mere human rules. They're mere human opinions. One thing I want to just say in passing in verse number 6, Jesus said, and Isaiah was right when he prophesied. And I always like to just point this out when, from time to time when I teach from Scripture and preach. Jesus believed the Old Testament was both authoritative and God's Word. Don't let anybody tell you the Old Testament is not for today. Don't let any article on the internet tell you the Word of God, the Old Testament, is not God's holy word. Jesus said Isaiah was right when he prophesied. Jesus saw the Old Testament as both authoritative and correct for doctrine in the New Testament era. And I want to share with you, here it is. This is the thought I want to place on your heart. The condition of your heart determines the depth of your devotion. The condition of your heart determines the depth of your devotion. Jesus will say to the Pharisees, you do all the right practices. Yes, you wash your hands. You go through all the religious practices and ceremonial observance. But what you're missing is the heart. On the outside, you look like you're worshiping because you say the right thing. But Jesus said, God looks at the heart. Your heart is far from God, but in appearance, it looks like you're close to God. And here it is, the condition of the heart determines the depth of the devotion. It's the heart that makes the difference. It's the heart that determines the condition of worry. God sees your heart. God knows what's going on inside of you. And the Bible tells us that when we come to Jesus, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17, we get a new heart. Isn't that good news? We get a new heart. There's a lot of corrupt stuff in our heart, a lot of stuff, a lot of feelings, emotions, uh, junk that we carry around, patterns of sin, 
wrong opinions, biases, all the stuff of life. But the Bible says that when we put the, the spiritual chair on top, when we put God first, we ask Jesus into our heart, we are given a new heart. Jesus comes in, and through salvation, he births a new heart in us. And with a new heart, God gives us new desires. When a new heart comes in, you get a new desire. When you don't know Jesus, can I tell you the things of God, they seem, they seem irrelevant, they seem demanding, they seem unnecessary. For somebody that doesn't know Jesus, to read the Bible, it says, you know what, I think that book is boring. But once Jesus gives you a new heart, all of a sudden this book speaks to you. This becomes the word of life to you. Prior to Jesus, you come to church and worship. You say, you know, I don't get anything out of that. I don't even like their music. I don't like, I don't like to worship that, that music. They won't let me get out there and dance around. I'd like to get my partner out there. And, and uh, I, I, you know, they don't, they, they, don't, they don't have a steel guitar. They, 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 don't, they, don't have the, they don't have the beat that I like. But all of a sudden, Jesus comes into your heart. And words that used to mean nothing to you all of a sudden become words of life to you. I honor you, Lord. Holy is the Lord. It it comes alive inside of you. With a new heart comes a new desire. Absolutely. Prayer. You don't know Jesus. Prayer seems like a waste of time. But when you know Jesus, it's intimacy with the Father. Giving. Tithing, you don't know Jesus. You, 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 think, you think it's just a scam going on with the church. They want your money. Then all of a sudden, you fall in love with Jesus and you say, Oh God, I'll give you anything. Jesus, I just want to express and I want to love you. You see, if the sacrifice is too much, then the devotion is too shallow. If the sacrifice is too much, The devotion is too shallow. Take this chair away, the spiritual chair, put it away, and all you do is think about what I prefer, what I think, and how I feel. And anything that's spiritual from God's Word, the Bible, anything that Scripture would teach you, say, you know what, That, that just doesn't work for me. I can't go along with that. And you can always find an article on the internet to agree with your opinion. Can I get an amen there? I'm so tired of people quoting Google to me. I'm so tired of people saying, I don't believe that. And they send me a web address of some crackpot theologian somewhere that is against the Bible, has twisted Scripture, and he's come out with his own convenient theology. Can I tell you, go back to this book. Go back to this book. If this book teaches, it aligns, if it builds faith, if it pleases God, then I'm going to stack it right here and say, I don't care what Mr. Google thinks. God's Word has the final authority in my life. Amen. You see, with a new heart comes new desires. And let me, as we move into a closing here, share with you. 
we come to faith in Christ, we come to faith in Christ, we're not free from sin, but we're free to not sin. I need to repeat that again because some of you didn't get it. We're not free from sin because you put the spiritual chair here. Are you still going to have thoughts that disagree with God? Yes, you will. Are you going to have feelings that sometimes don't align with Scripture? Attitudes, yes, you will. Well, sometimes you think only on the physical and get, and get sidetracked? Yes, you will. Does that mean you've lost your salvation? No, it does not. What does it mean? It means that you're growing in Christ. It means you're human and you're learning to surrender your mind, your emotions, and your preferences to God in God's Word. We're not perfect. We're not free from sin, but we're free to not sin because the spiritual man has a conversation with us and he taps us on the shoulder and says, God has a better way. Let me put it to us this way. God gives us both willpower and won't power. God gives us both willpower and won't power. What am I saying? What I'm saying is, the condition of the heart determines the depth of devotion. Yes. You see, God looks at this heart. He said, you love me, you're my child. But, but sometimes we go astray, sometimes we stumble. But God says, you're still mine. The depth of your devotion will determine that. And if your heart is to serve God, God sees your heart. Just get up and walk with God. No, we're not perfect. You're not free from sin, but you're free to not sin. You're not doomed for that. You're not doomed. You're not doomed to let the emotion, the feelings, the dysfunction, the trauma, the past, the mistakes. You're not doomed for that to control you. You're a new person in Christ Jesus. And God sees the heart. And if your heart is for him, can I tell you, God will honor you. God will walk with you. The Father will not, the Father will not desert you. And I want to pray with you. And after our prayer moment, I'm going to guide us into a time of praying for our educators and as we anticipate school starting. Would you bow your head with me in church online? If you've been struggling, if you stumbled, if you feel like you've taken a wrong turn in life, you're under condemnation, there's something you've done wrong, you feel like, God, I need to make things right, God sees your heart. And the Bible says if you'll come to him and call upon the name of the Lord, God, step into your heart. He can cleanse you. He can set your heart free. God can renew faith in your heart. And if you'll turn your heart to God, God will walk in that door you open for him. Father, right now, I pray across this auditorium and I pray for church online. 
Help us, God, not to get caught in the opinions of others. Help us, God, not to be bogged down in what other people think. But, Lord, let us live according to the Spirit. And sometimes I'm, I sit in the emotional chair. I'm, I let my mood and my attitude control me. Sometimes, God... I sit in that intellectual chair. I, I overthink and I have to rationalize and I have to have a logical explanation for everything. And God, you're saying some things of faith won't always make sense to the natural mind. I want to sit in that spiritual chair. I want to be guided by the Spirit. And I pray, Lord, let parents, let, let families, let individuals, let young adults be guided by the Spirit. Speak to our spirit man. God, renew our heart. Many of us, Lord, need to, need to change chairs right now. We need to get out of a chair that has been controlling our decision-making. And we need to sit in that spiritual chair for God to speak to our lives and our hearts. And I pray that. And I pray, God, you'll bring your assurance to your people. In Jesus' name.